0: something that the enemy meant for evil to try to destroy us it actually pulled us together
1: the podcast hosted by joe Trent, joe on the mic leader talk tackles various leadership strategies that cover self-development self-leadership including spiritual and physical health of leaders this podcast will feature guests ranging from military leaders thought leaders health and nutrition leaders spiritual leaders Nonprofit leaders and many more. All right, guys, uh, welcome to our new episode, and we have a special guest with us today. His name is uh, David Endosa. is a journeyman lineman for over 14 years, married for 15 years, and is a Navy veteran. David's passion is to encourage men who feel stuck in their spiritual walk to see the bigger picture and recenter their focus. Ultimately, David wants to wants men to realign their priorities back under God's master plan. Hey, David, thank you so much. I, I appreciate you coming on today. And you're a journeyman lineman. And for those uh, that are in the audience, uh, can, you, can you give them like a, a, an idea of what a journeyman lineman is?
0: Yeah, once, once again, Joe, thank you for having me on um it's it's it's
1: truly an honor um yeah to answer your question a journeyman
0: lineman basically the guy who shows up to put your power on when when storms hit or when your lights go out we're out there in the front lines restoring power you know to hospitals to, to to grids to to backbones and stuff like that we're we're out there you know rain sleet or snow really just getting after it to make sure you guys can enjoy your comforts of you know lights and power and, and things like that you know kind of a, a forgotten trade like no one even really know knows what alignment is until your power comes out you know and uh you know especially now with like people saying oh first responders and stuff like that and and, and feeling like oh we're not getting the uh, the appropriate uh just recognition, you know what I mean. Linemen are like, man, no one knows what we do until the power goes out, you know what I mean. So, welcome to the club, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, but uh, it, it's 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 a truly a blessing. It's one of the best jobs in the world, you know. And I think it's definitely not the easiest job in the world, and the marriage rates in the line trade are just man decimated. You know what I mean? Wow. it's hard. It's hard on a family. So that's pretty much what I do in a nutshell. You know, um, my family are all linemen. Uh, I have a younger brother who's a foreman as well. Just kind of, you know, they say linemen are, are, are born, not made. Wow. You, definitely, you definitely have to have the, the mental fortitude and the, the can-do-it attitude, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. One of the most dangerous jobs in the world, you know? Oh, I can imagine. We, we deal with death on a daily basis you know what I mean I was in the military as well and uh I think being a lineman is probably the most dangerous thing you can do I mean you're inches away from stuff that can blow your arm off or kill you or, or, or leave you permanently you know bad in a bad way you know what I mean and you're working inches away from it moving phases you know what I mean making sure stuff's on the same potential mm. it's, it's just crazy there's so many things that can go
1: wrong Mm-hmm. Look, hey guys, um, David. I know he's he's re- he's being real humble about this, and I and I can understand. But from my perspective, I remember uh, I used to live in uh, South Florida, and I remember when Hurricane Andrew came through, which they just celebrated uh, the anniversary of it a couple of days ago. And I truly appreciate what David does and, and his uh, journeyman linemen do. Because we were out of power for months, months, because they had to do backbreaking work to get all the lines back up, and and that's no feat. And then, uh, but David, we were talking also about something because you put up you put up lines when they go down, but it's not just that simple. Because give that example, like we were just talking about earlier about the recent hurricane.
0: When power goes out. I mean, it takes such a, a combined effort of FEMA to the people, the boots on the ground, to, to getting coordinators uh, wondering where they're going to best fit the crew. You know what I mean? Where they're going to be, because there's going to be thousands and thousands of us showing up to restore power. Um, one of the dangers of that is how do I send a crew on and, and not put them on the same line without them closing in on this people? So say for instance, I'm working on a deadline. I tagged it. I locked it. I know it's dead. I'm going to go work it. And then some other crew comes by and sees a cutout door open, which normally we take our own precautions. We'll take the cutout with us or whatever. But just so, just for someone who doesn't, you know what I mean? What if, what if there's a miscommunication between dock operations and they close it in on you and you're on that line and next thing you know, you're, you're getting your arms blown off. You know, I've seen it happen. I've had buddies who may have their arms amputated. A major coordination and communication, you know what I mean? And if there's any breakdown at all, kind of like in marriage, communication is the key. If things go bad and they'll go bad in a hurry and there ain't no coming back from this.
1: It is a very dangerous job and I can understand it. I mean, I can, I can only imagine how much power is coming through that'll blow off your arm, but I, Coming from my limited knowledge of electricity, I remember I I was rehabbing some houses in Colorado and they, I didn't know that they didn't wire or ground the house that I was working on properly. So I was trying to do, you know, fix some electrical stuff in the house and I was getting shocked left and right and it didn't feel good. And uh, then when I finally got the the electrical repairman to come in, he inspected it. He's like, yeah, they didn't ground the house. And he's like, I'm surprised you didn't, you didn't like get shocked and and get killed. I'm like, well, (laughs) I was like, why? Yeah. So they had to come in and rewire the house. 220 is bad enough in your house where it can do some damage, but I can only imagine the power that's coming through the electrical lines. And if one crew is not properly communicating, like you were saying, you're working on one line, you did some stuff. And then some other crew comes up and starts messing with the two and there's power going through it. Somebody can get killed. Yes. And, and I can only imagine the, the logistical nightmare of trying to do the coordination. And that's why a lot of times people don't understand why is it taking so long to get the power up? Yeah. Well, that's part of the reason why, because you have crews coming in like you guys were about to go uh, with this Hurricane Laura that was coming through. You were, you almost got called to go over there
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you're in New Mexico yeah so that's that's something in and of itself that uh, like military veterans can understand you can get called in the military to go to somewhere else around the world and be away from your family for long periods of time and that's why i found it so unique with your story of being a a journeyman lineman and you can get called to almost anywhere uh, outside of new mexico to puerto rico to florida or other places and you'll be months away from your family dealing with potential deadly consequences if something doesn't go right with the electricity. But uh, I do, I do love your story. Now, going back to why I got you on, I was inspired by you and your wife uh, because we were on the life on fire challenge and I was inspired by you and your wife's passion for families. And can you, can you briefly give us, give us your, your inspiration as to why you want to work with men, help them with their spiritual walk but how were you inspired by that?
0: Well, Joe, the way I was inspired is uh, first, I saw a need in it because I saw it in my own life. I saw a need because once I started looking at myself, you know, in the mirror, I started seeing the person I had become, and I didn't didn't like it, you know what I mean? So it was time for a change. One of the big turnaround points for me where I started noticing it, where God started actually working in my life to to show me where I had gone wrong, was a life-changing incident uh, that happened to my wife. I was working out of state, I had been working out of state for three years, I'd come home on the weekends, and I was a foreman, and uh, everything was going good, you know what I mean, you know, I'm making great money, you know, thinking everything was okay on the home front, you know, I had my wife at the house, you know, we have a small farm, you know, I, I raise chickens and stuff, but, you know, so she had all that responsibility on her, she had chicken, she had my three kids, I have three beautiful kids, you know, and, uh, you know just being a whole, you know, a stay at home mom. What happened is uh, she'd been getting ready to start fulfilling one of her dreams was to run a marathon. You know, she had run some half half marathons and stuff like that. Well, she'd been preparing, running five to ten miles a day, you know, just really getting after You know, I'm, I'm a pretty avid runner myself, you know what I mean? I've always ran, you know, and uh, so. She's been running. She's been training and everything like that. And uh, during that year, it was a warm year. She was running with a, a tank top in October. You know what I mean? It wasn't it wasn't cold. And usually it gets cold over here in we And you know what I mean? We're at the foothills of the Rockies. You know? So she remembers point blank that she's running. She's on the ditch. She's preparing. She's 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 feeling really good. You know. And then all of a sudden, she's taking a shower and she, you know what I mean. She's she looks at her leg. And she notices this little black thing. She didn't really pay attention to it. She thought maybe she'd cut herself from shaving or something, you know what I mean, her leg. Mm-hmm. So she went to brush it off. And when she did that, it fell off and it had little legs. I mean, this sucker was the size of a, a, a pepper granule. I mean, super small, you know. So she kind of like freaked out. She's like, what the heck? Well, that happened in, I think October is when that happened. So life started, you know, continuing for us. You know what I mean. At that time, God was preparing me to come home. I didn't know it yet, you know. What I mean? But He was starting to prepare. You know what I mean. Stuff wasn't going right at work. Um, my wife started calling me more and more, saying that she didn't feel good. She couldn't. She couldn't turn her neck. She started saying that she felt like she had overtrained, me, and she started feeling really like bad pains in her hips and her joints and stuff like that. To the point where some days she couldn't even get out of the bed. She couldn't lift her arms above her, her head. You know? But at that point in time, she starts pleading with me. She's like, man, you need to come home. You know, you've been gone long enough. You need to come home. You need to come home. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm making good money. You know, what more do you want? What more do you want from me? You have a house. You know, you know. You don't got to do anything. You're taking care of the kids. And all I'm asking for you to take care of my household. I'm out here busting my butt. Trying to make a, a living for us, and you're complaining that you want me to come home. Do you like having a, a vehicle? You know what I mean, and a roof over your head, and all our bills fed and everything. You know, at that time, I didn't really realize, you know, that it was all me, me, me. And I thought, oh, I, I can do this. I'm, man, that was so far from the truth. <laughs> it just went progressively worse from there. And needless to say, I came home for two weeks for Christmas and. At that point, my, we went to Christmas Eve at my sister's house and my wife couldn't feel her legs. She couldn't feel her legs at all. She, she just lost all feeling in her legs and her toes and everything, didn't know what was going on and her hands started going numb. So we're like thinking maybe stroke or something, you know and here's this lady who's like super healthy. I mean, she getting ready for a marathon. you know. I kind of panicked and my mom tells me to take her to the emergency room. So we, we go to the emergency room and I sit there christmas eve with me and her waiting on this doctor to check her in and, and, and see what's going on so they checked all her vitals and everything and they're kind of like we can't find anything wrong with her you know we don't know what to tell you you know maybe come in in a couple of days if she doesn't get any better but right now go home and spend time with your family basically what they told us you know so we came home she went to bed and everything and then christmas day came around and she was up I mean, making sure the kids had their presents and stuff and, you know, started cooking Christmas dinner and everything. And it was like a normal day. You know? Next thing you know, she tells me she's gonna take a nap, that she don't feel good. So I, I get the kids ready. I take them a shower and everything. I get them ready. We're gonna watch TV and just edge out. You know? She comes out from the bedroom and she's dressed and she's like, I gotta go something's wrong. I'm like, what do you mean? The kids are in their pajamas? You know, what do you want me to do with them? And we don't have any family near us you know my closest relatives are like four hours away I'm like what do you want me to do you know I, I kind of get kind of upset you know? what do you want me to do you know what I mean I, I have the kids you know and we called the emergency room and the emergency room's like don't bring your kids there's a virus that's going around people are dying people are getting really sick this was last uh, or I think it was two Decembers ago I remember I don't know if you're familiar but remember when people were getting really sick and dying from the blue or whatever that went around yeah 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 they didn't want us to show up with the children there. So my wife's like, I'll drive myself. I'll go in, and I'll let you know what's going on. So I'm like, okay. you know, And I'm thinking to myself, ah, you know, it can't be that bad. she will be okay. I get a call from the nurse saying that her heart had stopped, and that they had just stabilized her, and she's, she's coming back up, and you know they're going to keep her there overnight, and they, they need to do some more tests on her because they don't know what's going on with her. That, at that moment, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm laying in my bed. I'm thinking of all the different possibilities. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to be a, a dad with a single father. I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, how can this be happening? She's six years younger than me. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm 42. She's, she's 36 now. You know, I mean, at the time, she was 30. I think she was 34 at the time. And I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, you know what I mean? How can this be happening to us? Wow. You know, what did I do? She stays there and then they find her out. They couldn't find anything wrong with her. So they, they ordered her a bunch of extensive, extensive tests, from EKG, to, they sent her home with a heart monitor and stuff like that to make sure her heart wasn't racing because her heart was fluttering really weird. I hate to tell her story, but in a long story short, she started you know going through all these tests. They couldn't find nothing at all. And uh, she started getting this little fog line. Just a little small voice just kept coming to her, Lyme, Lyme. So she, at the point of exasperation, we took her to every single kind of testing there could possibly be. And the doctors are like pretty much saying, you know, we don't know what's wrong with her. You might need to take her to the Mayo Clinic. Um, she finally tells one of the doctors, she's like, oh, well, can you test me for Lyme? And the doctor kind of snickered, he's a Lyme. Unless you're importing deer from Maine, they're like, Oh, uh, there's no Lyme disease. We never had any cases here, so but we'll we'll go ahead and check. They're like, we'll check. I mean, what we'll, what's gonna hurt? You know, I mean, we've already ruled out every single thing. So they did, and next thing you know, that Monday they called us at like eight o'clock in the morning, and they're like, you need to come in. Your wife just tested positive for Lyme disease. So wow, we've been. Through that whole situation, and I mean, let me tell you, that's a whole nother thing that God's brought us through. He brought a relationship closer. I mean, it has been trying. I mean, something that the enemy meant for evil to try to destroy us, it actually pulled us together even better. It came down to some times where she was even telling me just to leave her, that she was no good for me, that she couldn't do anything for me. Wow. And then it's awful when your wife tells you that. And you're, you, know, you really start hearing those words that say to death to this part. That's when that comes in play because, I mean, you know, she thought she was really gonna die. I thought she was gonna die. And it wasn't for God's grace. You know, she wouldn't be here with me today. Almost full recovery, you know, getting better from glory to glory. You know, oh, wow. That's where I started to see where I was wrong. So at the same time, God was working on our marriage that way. God's so great, He started working on me and He started changing my heart. And with me being home, for I was forced to be at home. And I couldn't go back to work because who was gonna take care of the kids? Right? They were on Christmas break. Where were we gonna take them? Who was gonna pick them up? She couldn't even get out of bed. So I was forced to, you know, really be at home to really serve her to to helping her to the bathroom, helping her to, the, the, to use the restroom, to to shower, to to clothe her, to to cook, to take care of the needs of my children and stuff like that. and, that, and that's a role that I've never had to do in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was always the one that, hey, you know, kind of was catered to because I I made the money. Mm-hmm. God really opened my eyes during that season to see where I had been lacking. From then on, I just see the same person how I used to be in other men, and I recognize it. God's given me that spirit to be able to recognize that in other men and where they're failing too, and uh, just just be able to try to minister to them. Because I mean, I was running from my responsibility the whole entire time. You know, my my God-given assignment was to be a husband, a provider, a protector, a priest of my home, but I was. Refusing to take on that role because I was identifying with my job, and as men, I think that's something that we do. We we identify with what our job title is, and that's what I did. I identified with being a journeyman lineman. I'd even say it in a in a in a sneering kind of way, real confident. I'm a journeyman lineman. What do you? Do? Mm-hmm. God's changed my whole perspective on that. You know, he's just through these trials has just been really, really been working on me. But even before this all happened, God was isolating me when I was on the road. I didn't see it yet. though I wasn't mature enough to see what he was doing in my life. Okay? Every time I was in my own hotel or, or wherever, God was always consistently working on me, working on my character during that isolation. You know, because even now with COVID, people are really starting to see who they are. And that's why conflicts are happening because they can't face the reality of who you really are. And during that time, God was preparing me because I was isolated. I had nothing else going on. I mean, I, I was a Christian. I wasn't in the world, but at the same token, I wasn't partying with the guys. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I did all my drinking, just like you in the military. I, I drank my butt off. I drank almost in every other continent. I know what drinking is. And let me tell you, lightning can drink. These are different of dudes. So, Seeing that and seeing all the destruction that drinking had caused in a lot of these linemen's lives, these older linemen, I didn't want no part of it. I didn't want, you know I mean, I, I just, I, just for me, I just, God dealt with me to stop drinking. And that's a whole different story there the way he dealt with me on that one. I was <laughs> one of these Christians who used to say, well, Jesus' first miracle was making water into wine, you know what I mean? And yep. you can drink, but you don't, you don't gotta be drunk. And I'd make every single excuse up to, to, to drink and stuff like that. And I'm just saying right there, I don't, I, don't, I don't condone anybody who drinks or anything like that. I don't at all. You know, I just know from my walk, from my perspective, the way God dealt with me, it wasn't good for me. So I stay away from it. But I know other believers who can have a glass of wine or have a beer with their wife and whatever, and it doesn't bother me at all. I can be around that. And it doesn't bother me. But for me, I know that any little step, any little chance I give the enemy, you know, what does the Bible say? He seeks like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, devour yes. who him. If I give him that chance, he will wipe me out. He's tried before in the past. I mean, I've had, I don't know how many near-death experiences, you know I mean? Too many to count. I shouldn't even be. A lot of them were because I was drunk. So, <laughs> yep. you, you know how that goes, you know? Yep, yep. And, <laughs> So I I just know it's good for me. So I want to get off topic here, but uh, I just started seeing that when I was during that time, you know, and I was isolated, God just started really to change me. and I wasn't mature enough to see it until everything came full circle with the situation that happened with my wife, to COVID, to everything. And then I just started, it's like my vision opened up, like the tunnel vision went away. I could see the big picture. I could see every hardship had been through in our lives is a story of something greater, something greater than ourselves. And you can choose to, to sit back and be like, oh, oh me, you know, big old pity party and be like, oh, me, oh, why, oh, God, oh, how? Or you can use that time, for that, that time of growth that we go through, these struggles, to grow you, grow you and, and actually step back and be like, man, God, I'm not thankful for what I went through, but I'm thankful you saw me through it and the growth that came from it because right. theft and destruction and, and all that stuff we, we know that comes from the end right? You know, mm-hmm. it comes to steal, kill, and destroy so anything you've lost, that he's come he stole, he's, he's robbed from you, whatever we know that's not God. it breaks God's heart when that stuff happens mm-hmm. right but he will you know Romans 8.28 he will cause all things to, to work Get for good for
1: those who are in it. So from that time of what happened with your wife to seeing the need and the changes that God was preparing you for, what are the benefits that you've seen from that time you spent with your wife, seeing that I need to be there for her to, to help men see that bigger picture? What are, what are some of the things that, that I guess the benefits from that time that you got until now?
0: So I guess the benefits I got out of that, what I what I learned was uh, just how important prayer was. I mean, when you're going through stuff, you know, you really start getting on your knees and you start praying. I started seeing through prayer, you can move mountains, you know. And when I started, my prayers really started getting real powerful when I started praying in unity with my wife. You know, one of the craziest things I've learned through this whole thing is the devil will attack at the point of unity where you guys are united, but that's the same thing that destroys him is when you're united. He doesn't want us to to come together he does it because he knows we're powerful. So that's why he's always trying to do the divide and conquer routine, which they teach the military, which countless other uh, continents have been doing since the beginning of time in the war, when you divide and conquer. You know, when when you go into isolation, when you're on the road, you're thinking you're doing the right things by your family which is honorable right? providing for your family is honorable but when you're out of line and you're not in God's will and you're not you're not seeking God first the devil will use that separation to start putting thoughts in your mind to start putting thoughts in your wife's mind because when you're separated from your wife he's working on her over time too and when he's working on her he's working on your children That's his ultimate goal is to destroy our legacy. That's his goal. If he can destroy the parents at the home, right, the bond that we have to make a a, a marriage under God, he's going to kill your kids. He's going to destroy their legacy. He's going to destroy their seed because he does not want them to go forward. You know what I mean? That's one of the most craziest things I've ever seen is just the how families get torn apart and it's like, man, poor, 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 the spouse, poor this, but it's like, man, poor the kids, you know, they go through tremendous amount of turmoil. And uh, that's one of the things I I really, really looked for, you know, and That I learned was the, the prayer between the husband and the wife, the unity, you know what I mean? And one of the telltale signs that, you know, the enemy's working in your life is where there's strife. If there's strife in your life, he's present. If there's peace, then you know that's the spirit of God. He's there. You know, what does the Bible say? He will lead you out in peace. You know what I mean? So that's just a good thing for for, for Christian man. If you, if you got strife in your house and division at workplace, at, at, you know, in between your wife or wherever, the first sign you see strife happening, that atmosphere is being influenced by the devil. And you need to take charge of that. You need to cast that down. You need to. Go into what we call spiritual warfare because mm. that is of God.
1: All right, folks, time for a sponsor break. All right, back to our episode. So the big one of the biggest things that you saw was you and your wife started communicating better. Yes. And do you attribute that to praying with each other? I,
0: I, I absolutely do. I think uh, once we started getting our our plans aligned and our prayers aligned, it started opening up. Passive communication. Um, they say the first 30 seconds of the communication, the way you respond to your spouse determines the whole entire conversation. Wow. So, how you open up, there's no peace if, if you got that strife and then you try to start a, a conversation. You know, some of the hard conversations that me and my wife go through, learn now to pick for battles, to pick when it's okay. You know what I mean? Because a response will let you know everything. A, a response will shut your wife down. I mean, our harsh response will just shut her down and, okay, never mind. And that thing that was in her heart, that warning, that whatever God showed her, whatever that she wanted to communicate with you, you just shot it down. And
1: uh, it's, it's so true that, what, that you bring that point. And, and it is, like you said, it is a, a military tactic. Because I, I, I remember from our days of being in the military that they say the first time, anytime when we deploy anywhere, one of the first things that we, we pick is our, our location, right, that we're gonna set up. The second thing is our lines of communication. That is always the, one of the first things that comes up. And I understand that the enemy, for lack of a better term, of marriage is a lack of communication. And and if we're not communicating properly and listening, you know, because listening is the most important thing, listening to each other and listening also in prayer to what God wants us to do and how we should treat each other, oof, that makes a big difference. I, I I'm in total agreement with what you're with what you're saying about that. But you mentioned I, I remember in our previous conversations, you mentioned about pride getting in the way.
0: Yeah, um, when I was speaking about pride. I mean, as men, we're, we're very sensitive. We act like we're this and that. If our egos aren't stroked, they're even just jaded a little bit. We'll take that as a, as, as a form of disrespect. One of the biggest needs for a man other than, you know, sex is respect. I heard a, a pastor, well-known pastor say that. A man's deepest need is respect. We need to be respected. You know, we can be disrespected on the workplace and everything like that. Whatever. Brush it off. You know, don't bring your feelings to work. But when you go home and you're disrespected by your spouse or you even think for a tiny notion after being disrespected all the <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? I you go home and you feel disrespected by your spouse, your ego goes from here to here. You know what I mean? And it just, it, it's pride. It's pride. That's one of the things I needed to learn, too, is just... How to really love my wife? You know, the Bible says that we're called to love our, our spouse and they're supposed to respect us. Well, that's a, a reciprocal, okay? And if you get on the right, the right path and you're around that circle where you're loving your wife, she's respecting you, it's good, it's in unison, right? Yep. At the same token, if you get it on it the wrong way and she's just respecting you, you're not loving her, it's a, it, I mean, it's a recipe for disaster. Yep, <laughs> you know, it just goes round and round, and I think that's where a lot of married couples, a lot of men, get so frustrated that they don't even want to lead. They don't. For one, the woman doesn't believe. You know, they always pray. Oh, I want, I want, uh, I want a godly man to lead in prayer and stuff like that. Well, let me ask you this: Do you allow your husband to lead? That's a big question. That's one of the questions I see a lot in uh, like marriage counseling and stuff like that. Is do you allow him to, well, I would allow him to lead if he would do this and all this stuff. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, no, what you're really telling me is you don't trust God. You really don't trust God to allow your husband to lead and, and be, become that man that you want, you know? And it's a, I mean, it's crazy. It just goes round and round and round. You did this, you did this, you did this. And it's, it's never ending until we break that cycle and we really start stepping back and saying, hey, you know what I mean? Through communication, want, through our prayers, and then just 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 knowing that we can go to each other and not be hated on for it. There's gotta be a, 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 an element of uh, safety there. Right. Okay, our spouse wants to come to us and be like, hey, this is what's on my heart. You know, this is what's happening. And vice versa, a man ha- doesn't really want to tell his buddies, hey, man, you know, I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with this. You know what I mean? No, he doesn't want to get ridiculed. Sometimes they will, you know, but majority of the time, my wife is my best friend, and that's the way God designed it to be. You know, she's my best friend. You know, I'll tell guys certain things. You know, I mean, that I trust. But majority of the time, you know, my spouse is the person I want to come to. She's the one that sees me on my most vulnerable point. Mm. I'm broken, mm. you know what I mean? I'm just broken before the Lord where I'm hurting and I, I, I need to talk to her. And it's okay, you know what I mean? Some of the most manly men I've ever met were some of the most broken dudes. And it's okay to cry, you know what I mean? It is, I never thought, you know what I mean? I grew up in a household where I never saw my, my old man cry, ever, and I still haven't seen him cry to this day. <laughs> And I think it would be kind of weird for me to see him. (laughs) You know what I mean? But uh, in my household, I want my kids not to see me as a whiny baby or nothing like that. But I want them to show that emotion is good. Otherwise, you know, we get our emotions from God. That's one of the emotions, just like anger. But anything unchecked is not healthy.
1: I think uh, society, unfortunately, and we allow society to dictate how we respond at the home instead of seeing how God wants us to respond in the home. Because it's, it's very interesting that when you alluded to that scripture where it says that men should love their wives or husbands to love their wives, the order of that precedent is talking to men first. Yep. He tells the man, love your wife. Then he talks to the woman to respect your husbands. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting that, not all men do this, but, you know, sometimes we get in our, in our mind, in our manly mind. <laughs> well, she needs to respect me first. I'm like, well, that's not the way the Bible put it. The Bible put it, he, talk, he talks to man first.
0: Yep.
1: He says, hey, look, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want the, the order to go here. And, and sometimes we get like to get it backwards, you know. Yep. Uh, but I, I like the way you put that and to see the need that's out there for men. It's not to say that uh, men are, are foolish or, or or they don't know what they're doing. But I am glad that you're making yourself available to be used by God to touch men out there in that rugged industry where there's men out there that, that are really hurting. And a lot of times, uh, I, I mentioned this in a, in another group that there was a... Someone made a mention that, oh, well, r- rugged men, they don't have feelings. And I was like, and I responded, I was like, well, it may seem like they don't have feelings because they use that ruggedness as a mask to hide what's going on underneath. Yep. Because they don't, because it's too sensitive, too sensitive to the touch that they put up that, that wall of, oh, I'm okay. I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm a stone wall. Nothing can, nothing can hurt this. But in reality, there's a there's a scared, not, not to put anybody down or anything, but there's a scared little boy, yeah. sitting in there, trying to figure stuff out. Yep. But uh, I'm so glad that you you were able to see that. I mean, it's, and you had to go through some stuff. No <laughs> to, to allow God, just like me, just like me. Believe me, uh, I don't want to go into my story, but it, it's it's kind of. Uh, not ironic, but it, it's, we, we both have some similar stories uh, of how we've had to help our wives come through a time of healing in their body. And while she was going through, my wife was going through healing in her body, it, it, God was working on me as well uh, to, to break down barriers I had within my myself. So I, I really identify with, with what you're saying, that a lot of times we as men, put up that wall when there's a lot of stuff that needs to be worked on. and God is just saying, Hey, look, let me in and work on that stuff because I'll I'll help you get online, get all the things that you want in your relationship and around you. If you just let me come in and work on it, like the, the word of God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things will be added unto you. But the kingdom of God is not, not a big, vast kingdom he's talking about himself. Yep. (laughs) He's talking about him, his son, Jesus. And a lot of times people, well, the kingdom of God, that seems like a big, 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 big thing. But he's like, no, 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 no. Just I'm talking about me. Come to me Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: seek me first. And I'll help you without all that stuff that you're trying to, trying to work with and juggle with in your own hands and your own capabilities, which, Hey, I spun the world and the stars into existence. I can help you out with that stuff. Uh, But no, as a, is there any other, any other thoughts that you want to share with our audience about what's inspiring you and what, you're, what you and your wife are potentially wanting to create from this story that you guys are, are unraveling and working on?
0: We're just kind of just being led right now by God to just to see where he's going with this. Um, I know the message is powerful. I know it's going to fall on ears. I need to hear it. I'm just so happy to just be able to put it on a platform to be able to, to get it out there. God's word is living. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, you know what I mean? It's gonna pierce those those manly men in one way or another. It's gonna get down into them. And uh, I think we're just kind of working on, on, on just uh, just helping people, helping helping men and women to really come into themselves and to be able to figure out who they are in God. And their, their roles as a man, we're basically, you know, we're, we're, we're leaders, we're priests, we're, we're, we're kings in our home, you know what I mean? We're the protector and stuff like that. And and our women is our helper, you know what I mean? In the Bible, it continuously refers to the woman, right, as the Holy Spirit, which is the helper. And there's a reason for that. When God placed two together, right, we became one flesh, the spouse was there to make up what we lacked. So when we allow that to happen in in a godly way instead of fighting with our dislikes because no one ever marries your exact same you know what i mean you're not going to do that you're going to marry your opposite right it's because subconsciously we're attracted to that thing we don't have you know i'm not a very empathetic i wasn't i should say i wasn't a very empathetic person i'm one of those dudes like you know you break your leg it's like well rub some dirt on it kid you know what i mean let's go and yeah. with, with my wife's empathy, she's helped me become, I don't want to say perfect because I'm not perfect by any means, but she's completely, she's helping me to see that. She's helping me to, to get on focus. And that's the way marriage was intended by God. When we fulfill our roles, I, I like what James Dobson said in 1980. He's the guy on focus in the family. I think I'm pretty sure you know who he really is. Yeah. He, said, he, he once stated that uh, the Western world stands at a great crossroads in its history. It is my opinion that our very survival as a people will depend upon the presence or absence of masculine leadership in millions of homes. I believe with everything within me that husbands hold the key to the preservation of the family.
1: And yeah, totally agree with that because it's it's when men take their roles in a way that is in line with God, just like you were, you were mentioning before, everything else comes in the line. Everything falls into place like it's supposed to. Yeah. Like when, when, like you were saying, when God made Eve, he didn't, uh, like I, I remember this, we learned this from a, a class that we took, uh, man, it was years ago, is that God didn't make Eve uh, above him or below him. When God made Eve, he pulled a rib out so they can stand next to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's why it always says, "Where two become one flesh." It's not supposed to be domineering on either way. Like you said, one complements another. You know, and like, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if if I would say if I wasn't married to my wife, because she is more bold than I am me, I'd be like, eh, I'm not going to do this. You know, I'm not going to put my voice out there and, and try to help others to have their voice and talk about leadership, talk about uh, spirituality and how we should have faith in, in everything that we do. But I learned from her and her boldness mm-hmm. that, hey, just get out there and do it. You know, let, let God lead you, let God guide you in everything that you do in He'll work everything out, and but we've had to learn that in the process. Because when we yeah. first got married, it wasn't as it is now. And I'm not saying it's not perfect now. We're still learning a lot about each other along the way, learning new things, good things, you know. Sometimes bad things, like hey, you know, we got to fix that, you know. But but we we pray about it together. Yes. You know, and instead of saying, "Oh man, you're a dirtbag," or what? I would never call her a dirtbag, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like. There's a different aspect in life when you know, I think we, you had mentioned this before in our previous conversation, when we discover whose we are, you yes. will discover who you are. We belong to God. We're God's children. But our spouse is also God's child as well. So there's a special place for each and every one of us in God's heart, in God's eyes. And, we, and once we discover who we are and how he loves us, we can see each other in a different light. And be more open to what God has for us. Absolutely. Thank you again for coming on. I, I definitely appreciate you taking time, and and I know that you were you were kind of, but you were kind of busy earlier today, because of the the potential of you going to uh, help out on a hurricane that was going through Texas and Louisiana. Yeah. And guys, hey, uh, guys, if you if you uh, pray, uh, I ask you to pray for our journeymen and linemen out there as well as, as the military. Anytime they go out and do stuff, they're doing dangerous jobs. But they're doing dangerous jobs to help us live the lives that we're living uh, in our homes, making sure that we have power, uh, make militaries out there, make sure that we're safe. So uh, anytime you have prayer, I pray for our journeymen and linemen. But again, d- thank you, David, for coming on. I appreciate you taking time with you. Uh, from you and your family to sit here and talk and share with our, our audience. Any hey guys, look, if you guys wanna reach out to David, uh, message me. Uh, you guys know how to reach out to me via my uh, Facebook page and my podcast. If you wanna reach out to David and, and uh, talk about him and his wife uh, and their journey and uh, a vision that God has for them to reach out to families, men and women, to help them in their marriage and personal lives come closer to God, just let me know. Thank you guys. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.